Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, good gardening. We are live and lively, speaking of Allen's Tree Service, from Allen's Tree Service right here on 2755 West Pierce Boulevard in Wentzville. Need information, need some mulch, need other organic products, 636-332-5535. And they're fully staffed this time of day. Oh, my goodness gracious, they are ready for you. So allenstreeservice.com is the website. Now that you know where you where we are, how are you, and how's your landscape, your garden, your house plants, and everything else? Well, whatever's on your mind, this is your show, and I'm here to help you make some da- sound decisions, or at least something to consider. So it's all going to be work, timing, and information on your part. So the phone numbers are 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The true brains behind this live and lively broadcast this week are in studio is Greg and Ben is a remote engineer. So without them, there would be no, I would be talking like this. You'd never hear me. So maybe that would be better. Maybe the garden hotline would be great. If I never said anything. But I'm Mike Miller. I've been doing the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. Also, I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. If I do something called a walk and talk where I come to your home. Actually, I'm going to be going to a house in Chesterfield off Kerr's Mill coming up real soon. And consequently, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, where there is monthly updates. But also on the homepage, you can find my email address and phone number. You can contact me and we'll get together and I'll come to your home and we'll take a look around at what's going on. The Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Boy, there was a change in the air. The ride out down in the Chesterfield Valley, fog, wow. You know the seasons are changing when you see fog in the valley. And at home, dead cicadas are laying on the ground, on the sidewalks and stuff like that. So the cicadas are starting to die, fog in the valley, Is this still summer? Yes, it is. But anyway, there's going to be cooler mornings and cooler nights, too. And uh, as I approached on Pierce Boulevard, I saw a green mailbox in the distance. And Gary Allen always says, for everything green, call the Allen's team. So as soon as I saw that green mailbox, I knew I was getting close. The lawn was mowed just perfectly. The bed edger was cut. They must use some kind of laser cutter or something or some kind of scalpel to cut that bed edge. It's too perfect. I can't believe it. Maybe it's an illusion. So, but a little dip down into the parking area for Allen's Tree Service. And uh, to the west, you're going to see a great field of corn. 
There's also great piles of organic debris behind in the back waiting to be chipped or tub ground. And the steam was rising for the mulch piles on the north side as well. Mockingbird sings as it lands in the neatly pruned euonymus hedges. Well, they're not really hedges. They're individual plants. But there's lilacs there. There's gold thread branch. And the lilies have already finished their show for this year. But the foliage still looks very good. And the lawn really was sparkling with some nice morning dew. Peach tree on the edge of the patio was loaded. Why don't you guys harvest some of those peaches instead of, you might break some of those branches. I think I'm going to call Alan's Tree Service and tell him to get those peaches off that tree. But anyway, it's a great patio, and it's companion with hornbeam and a birch tree. And the wildflower field right behind is great. On the sides and in back, there's all kinds of chippers and bobcats and trailers and front loaders, numerous kind of trucks sitting there ready to go and roll. Allen's Tree Service, well, they have a watch cat. They don't have watchdogs, but the watch cat came out to check me out. He said, hmm, who are you? You look a little suspicious. Why are you hanging around our equipment? And I said, I'm okay, I'm okay. So he said, okay, I'll go over and scratch this tree. So that's what he did. But anyway, around back, there's also pieces of sod that are waiting to be sold. And their nurseries filled with numerous kinds of trees. And these, this nursery is enclosed with a fence because there's probably deer out here in this part of town. And uh, the trees are hoping to be adopted and taken to a new home. The staff, they have garden plots back in the back as well. Tomatoes and a couple varieties of peppers. And there's an area where boulders and blocks and rocks are sitting waiting to be designed into a, into a landscape. And well-engineered draining system takes the water across the property without any kind of erosion, any kind of problems at all. So uh, a note on the back of one of the trailers for Allen Street Service says, since 1978. So that's how long they have been around. So Allen Street Service, we are live and lively. If you'd like to stop by and get some products or you'd like to give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Again, the phone number for Allen Street Service, 636-332-5535. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we are live and lively at Allen's Tree Service here on West Pierce Boulevard in Winsville, 636-332-5535, allenstreeservice.com. First caller of the day is actually from Winsville. Al, how are you doing today? Fine. Thank you, Mike. Uh, hey, I have uh, two dogwoods uh, that I bought from the conservation department. They're very healthy looking. They're about a three-and-a-half to four-inch diameter at the ground, and they've been in the ground for about seven years. And I've been fertilizing them, and I cannot get them to bloom. You got any ideas? And I have a, a, another comment. You always mention about grass not growing on, in the shaded area. My backyard is heavily shaded with, uh, with maples and pin oaks, and, but I, I do. Uh, the grass is very thick. It's a tall fescue, and every year I do overseed with five-star or three-plus-three or Jaguar that I get up here at Charlie's in Wentzville. So I just want to mention that maybe overseeding will help people uh, grow a thick lawn, even in shade. Yeah, that's what I... 
Yeah, I always tell people every May and every September put seed down. That's the only way you're going to have an adequate lawn, you know, in a shaded circumstance. But it's relationship to your dogwoods, even though they seem like they're big, it may be an age factor as much as anything. But also, I would back off from the fertilizing. You may okay. be feeding them too much and making them go like, what do I want to, you know, throw out any kind of flowers? So if also... So they're a native dog, what I'm assuming, because they're from the conservation department. Yeah. But you should, within the next couple weeks, if you're going to have any flowers for next spring, the buds should start forming on the tips of those branches. So uh-huh. if you don't see any buds, then just you're not going to have any flowers for next year. So basically, don't do any more fertilizing. I don't know what kind of fertilizer you're using or anything else, but they sound healthy. The foliage looks good, dark green. The veins are not green with the foliage, the rest of the foliage kind of off color. So you're doing everything just right. It's just probably age. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for your program. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And, you know, that's why people go for the hybrids, because the native dogwoods, you may have to wait for a long, long time before you're going to get any kind of flowers. So let's go now to St. Peter's and into Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Hi. How you doing? Very good. Okay, uh, I've got some zoysia grass, my mother-in-law does, and it kind of got burned up over the hot heat we had in the past couple weeks. Uh, Can I rake it now, the dead grass, and and keep watering it? Maybe it'll come back? Yeah, definitely. I mean, don't scalp it down. I don't know how low she was cutting it, but a lot of people scalp their lawns, and what that does is expose the crown of their plant to this baking sun that we had, you know, a couple weeks ago, and I've seen some damage to, major damage to some lawns. So, yeah, go ahead. Don't use a garden rake. Use a leaf rake. Don't scratch it really heavily. Just try to get some of the debris out and then get back into a watering system, and you still have an opportunity. I don't know if you've been fertilizing or she has, but you got a chance this month to get the last fertilizing on your zoysia grass done. So, and then next year, have her, whether it's successful or not, I don't know if she's done this either, but uh, next year, just as it starts greening up, do some core aeration and follow that up with a thin layer of compost and see if she can get that uh, zoysia looking good again. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go from St. Peter's to Baldwin, and Baldwin is where Nancy lives. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. Um, I do have a question about a tree, but I wanted to tell you what I did and see if you think this is a good idea. Uh, We had some kudju in the trees in our backyard, and we found the uh, vine root that was um, as big as my forearm, and we sawed it and put some uh, Tordon RTU on it and just painted the, the place where we freshly cut it, and by golly, it's dying all over the place. Right. So, well, if you cut it, so anything up in the tree is going to die. So, yeah. but you, so the trunk where you cut it, that's what you have to wait until next year to see how much death you've actually created on the trunk. Now, kudzu, you probably have wild grapes. I don't know if you have kudzu or not with the trunk being that big. Kudzu has just finally migrated up into this area. So there's, it hasn't been here long enough. But it doesn't matter what it is. You've done everything just right. Oh, okay. Thank you. And then I have a question, please. On uh, our magnolia tree, we have a huge branch that's just causing havoc on the roof of our house and the neighbor's yard also. So I was wondering, is this a good time to cut off a big branch that's causing so much trouble? Uh, If it's causing trouble, definitely. It's just like taking storm damage off or anything else. 
but make sure maybe give the people here at Allen's Tree Service a call. Have them come out and take you know and take the branch off because any kind of long branches are going to have to be cut off in sections. They're going to have to leave you know sort of a slight stub so the cambium layer can heal over this spot. But uh, yeah, I would get somebody out there to take care of this. Okay, but it's not too early to do that. I shouldn't have to wait till February or something. No, you don't really have to. Basically, you're, I mean, if, like I said, it could cause some major damage. So something potentially damaging wise, get, to, right. get it taken care of. Right. Great. Well, thank you for your service and your knowledge. Great. Well, thank you. And uh, now let's go come back out this direction to St. Charles and go into Terry's yard. Hi, Terry. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. Hey, I got two questions. I I had some daylilies that I planted when I moved and built this house in 2002, and they become so aggressive. You know, I mowed them down. I tried to round up. They won't die. We finally dug out the bulbs, and they're still coming back. How can I get rid of them things? You're just going to have to be persistent with the roundup if you want to get totally rid of them. But what the best thing to do is early in the go ahead, just leave them like they are, as aggravating as they are right now and everything else. But next spring, as soon as they start coming up, mow over, well, let's say like when they're about four inches high, set your mower a little bit high and just mow them and create some wounds in it. And that's the time when you want to apply the roundup. If you apply the roundup later on in the season, they get this cuticle on them and it's not quite as effective. But uh, that's probably the best thing to do is just wait until next year and go after them early in the season. Okay, and one other question I had. I have a 22 by 22 garden, and I, I, uh, I have one of those rainbow-type sprinklers that when I'm gone, I'm gone some, I have the neighbor to water it for me when it's not the sun on it. Is that good, or should I have that water going coming out directly on the ground instead of fanning over the top of the plants? Well, it depends upon your plants. A lot of times when we have the water, depending upon the time of day and anything else, we get the foliage really wet, you could set up a fungus problem. But if your plants are fine, you haven't had any fungus problems on the foliage or anything else, I would you could certainly stick with it. But personally, I like to just put the water on the ground. Now, I do have a couple sprinklers for my lawn that throws water in the air. And that's, you know, basically when it's really hot, so I can just stand under the sprinkler and get soaked. But uh, I do have soaker hoses that I use a lot, too. Okay, well, I used to have tomatoes, cucumbers, zucchini and cucumbers, but I didn't know where that, it's like rain, but it's not rainwater, you know, when it's fanning coming over them. I just thought maybe it's better to do that or just put the water on the ground with some other kind of system. On the ground, you're going to you're have a lot less evaporation. You're going to get the water where it needs to be. The water doesn't need to be in the air. The water doesn't need to be on the foliage. So by putting it on the ground, that's by far the best thing to do. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yep, thank you. And Mike Miller, KM Walks Garden Hotline. We are live and lively from Allen's Tree Service. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're live and lively. Allen's Tree Service, West Pierce Boulevard here in Winsville, 636-332-5535, allenstreeservice.com. Great website. You can see befores and afters on what kind of work they actually do. Let's go to Ron, and Ron is someplace in Illinois. Hi, Ron. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Very good. I really enjoy your show. Thanks for having me on. Uh, quick question. We bought a, high, a hearty hibiscus. Uh, last weekend in about an eight inch pot it's got a whole bunch of blooms on it and we're wondering when the best time would be to put that in the ground uh how diligent are you going to be 
as soon as you put it in the ground, you're going to have to water it pretty much every day for a couple weeks, you know, as it transitions uh-huh. from the great nursery circumstance in a pot into your ground. And also uh-huh. before that, make sure the area has been prepared. Now, is this like Disco Bell, a type of hibiscus, you know, with the huge nine-inch flowers? Uh, not not huge nine-inch. A uh, couple of them have started to open up. There may be five to six inches in diameter. So it may be because of the size of the plant, but some of the varieties of the hibiscus, look and see if you can find the tag and see, you know, this may be a variety that wants a wetter soil to do very, very good. So find that out, but also they want to have a well-prepared soil too, an organic soil. Okay. Would it be best to wait until all the blooms have, have kind of opened and gone away? Yeah, I would probably wait because it's easy to care for things when they're in a pot and also, you know, anytime any plant, regardless of the type of plant, is in flower, that's a stressful circumstance for it. So mm-hmm. wait probably for another month or so. Even if all the flowers haven't finished opening or anything else, the ground will still be very warm. You're going to get very active root growth. And then the plant gets to go to sleep for the wintertime. So fall is by far the best time to plant. Okay. Uh, and we put some fescue sod down uh, earlier this spring. It was late spring, uh, mm-hmm. and some of it has started to brown up, and it looks, you know, looks like it's probably dying off. But is there anything I can do to maybe kind of baby that along and and keep from having to replace it? Did you water it? Oh yeah, yeah, I watered a lot. Okay, so. Basically, the areas that are brown, just go out there and just you sort of grab a handful of the brown grass blades and just tug on it gently and see if actually it actually, you know, has rooted into the ground. Because sometimes if the soil isn't just right, you know, even if it's the right time of year for it and everything else, if the root system doesn't get into the real ground, then the sod is not going to be able to survive. So find out if it actually penetrated the surface of your ground where it's growing and then mm-hmm. kind of go from there. But uh, beyond okay. that, uh, there's not too much you can do. Just make sure, you know, this summer was brutal for any yeah. kind of cool season lawns, whether it was fescues or bluegrasses. And then it was even brutal on some of the on zoises, which is a warm season. But, I mean, mm-hmm. that drought and everything else, sometimes we cannot compensate you know, for the amount of rainfall that we just lacked. It poured rain, it drowned everything, and then it turned into the desert circumstance. And watering is very crucial on how you do it. You have to make sure the water penetrates deeply into the ground. So that means less often for longer periods of time. So for, okay. for good lawn, the water has to get down at least six inches to keep the root system healthy and viable, and especially for new sod. Okay, great. And finally, real quick, what is it about potting mix that attracts raccoons? Whenever we put out flowers in the spring, I can guarantee you the next morning they'll be all dug up. And I know it's raccoons because I put a camera out. Uh, basically, they just you know they're just curious on what's going on, <laughs> you know, more so than anything. There's you know there's really nothing you know potting mix, potting soil, or anything. It's just like what are these pots and what are they you know. Because I don't know what, there's nothing there for them to eat, so I don't know what they're doing. Okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. I, yep. I, I love your but my, show. My, bro, my brother lives in Pacific, and he had pots on a deck that was two stories up, but the raccoons would climb the post to get up to the deck. Finally, he just gave up on the pots. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> They'll go to great lengths to get to them. Exactly. Okay, thanks, Mike.
Sure, sure. Thanks, Ron. And now let's go to Jim's yard. And Jim is in O'Fallon, Missouri. Hi, Jim. Hi. How are you? Good. I have a I have a garden question. I've got a garden that's about thirty by forty. This is about the fourth year that I've had it. Uh, it started with fairly decent soil. Um, every spring, usually in March, I go get. Uh, nine or ten bags of uh, composted manure, uh, mix that in there, get some peat moss, throw that in there. Um, And then I till it all up, uh, you know, six, eight inches deep and mix the stuff up. And my tomatoes will not grow, not at all. Generally, I get one growing of beans if I'm lucky. It just, uh, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know if I should put some other fertilizer out with, with the plants um this year the few tomatoes that i did get all had blossom end rot Ooh. well first of all you're not using tomato fertilizer so that's how that has calcium that prevents the blossom end rot second of all what i would do if you're serious about this i would take a soil sample and get a get your soil tested and find out all the elements that are there all the nutrients your soil ph and everything else rather than just shotgunning an approach to it Go to the very, very basics, find out what there is in your soil, and then build up from that standpoint. So how, how uh, big of a sample, uh, take a couple from different areas? Or, yeah, within, the sam- within your garden space. And just, you know, basically what you want to do is you can go to the University of Missouri, you know, I think St. Charles County has an extension service, and just contact the extension service, ask them specifically how they want you to take that sample, and where the, and if you need to drop it off or whatever it happens to be, or if you need to mail it, because usually the testing is actually done down in Columbia, but the extension service may offer you an opportunity to drop it off there, but they'll tell you specifically how much, it's usually like a fairly big baggie full of stuff with nothing in it, no vegetation, no root systems or anything. But find out what's in that soil before you start, you know, again, just shooting in the air, hoping you're going to hit something right. Okay, so uh, miracle Grow, I guess, is the tomato fertilizer? Cause I have yeah, you can seen... certainly use that. Is, is there a special, uh, I'm assuming there is since you're mentioning it, just a special uh, bag of fertilizer for tomatoes? Yeah, there. I mean, it'll say tomato food on it. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Yep. Good luck with that. But get the soil test done. So, I mean, tomato season's you know just about past its prime. So, don't expect too much out of your tomatoes. Let's see if we can get another call in before break. Margie from Kirkwood, how are you today? Hi. I'm good, and and uh, thanks for the show. I have a question about poison ivy, and um, mine is doing really well. <laughs> along the fence, and I'm not happy about it. Uh, It's kind of exploded uh, this year, and I'm wondering, is it just best to hire somebody to get rid of it, or is there a safe and effective way of me doing it? Well, first of all, I will tell you, a question about poison ivy makes me itch. I'm highly allergic, so I know. I'm scratching my arm right now. Already this year, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, I mean, there is a variety of Roundup, which will say for killing poison ivy and other woody plants. 
So if you want to fool around with it, you can do that. But if this is a good, healthy stand of it, it is going to take multiple years to get rid of it. Even if you have somebody come in and dig up the root system and everything else, you're not going to eradicate it for at least two or three years, even under the ideal conditions of getting rid of it. So just you're going to have to be patient. You could apply the you know the Roundup for you know, say for wood you know say poison ivy for woody plants. Regular Roundup does not work on it, and just you know maybe knock it down a little bit. And then I mean sometimes there's not too many services that are going to come out and actually get rid of the poison ivy because they have to dig mm-hmm. the root system out. So this could be a nightmare for you. Well, and I but think might it's tr- coming. I think it's coming through the fence. I don't even think it's on my side of the fence, and there's a ton of foliage and trees and, and everything right there. Oh. So it would be a real problem for anybody to dig them out. But uh, right. I want to get rid of it. I mean, maybe just stay away from that part of the yard. Well, I I'm can't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. But I was, just, I was actually trying to do damage control two weekends ago, and I didn't even think I touched it. And I put the scissors right. in my dishwasher, and I got, I got it. So it's very. Don't bad. try to cut it off with scissors. I mean, well, go out there and beat it with a beat it with a shovel. And as soon as you beat it with a shovel, then have the Roundup ready to spray on it. Roundup for poison ivy, and go yeah. after it that way. Open up some wounds in the foliage. But this is getting later in the season, so it's better off to get you know this stuff under control earlier in the year. But oh, you it can is. Try oh, to see okay. if you can weaken it. Yeah, but right. try to weaken it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, good luck. Ooh. Sorry. I wish you wouldn't have called. I'm really itchy. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're headed south down to St. Genevieve, and that's where Joanne lives. Hi, Joanne. Hi. Uh, Mike, we live in a 111-year-old home here in St. Genevieve, and we have a pine tree in our side yard that's more than three stories tall. And um, we've only been here 11 years, and a few years in, I planted about a dozen pieces of ivy that multiplied a lot, and um, they started going up the trunk of the tree, and I should have gotten them then, and I didn't. And they're now about a third of the way up the tree, and I'm wondering if that ivy is going to damage that tree, or should I be doing something to get it out of there? Uh, Basically, if it's on the trunk, it's not going out over the branches, you should be fine. It's not problematic. If you've ever been to Europe, you can see there's some really old trees that have vines, you know, ivy climbing up them, and... It only becomes problematic when it goes out over the, you know, like I said, over the branches because then the ivy foliage starts covering up where the needles are. The needles need sunlight so they can manufacture food. And so the whole, you know, the whole system kind of falls apart. But if you decide you want to get rid of it, what you can do is just go out there and just a couple inches above the ground, just start cutting very carefully so you don't damage the bark, just cutting like a one-inch sec- one section of the uh, ivy stems that are climbing up the tree of, away, you know, away. Just get rid of them. And then the okay. ivy climbing the tree above that will just die. Now, don't, you don't necessarily have to go out there and yank it down because that can be trouble in its own way. But that's okay. the way to get rid of it. Okay. And also, before I uh, let you go, I-, I want you to know that this is your defect weekend. And so maybe when you're finished with your walk and talk, you might take a ride down. Um, it's a wonderful arts and crafts festival today and tomorrow. That's my little oh, commercial. 
<laughs> All right, great. Well, thanks, Joanne. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Tracy right. and I have been down there a couple years for the art festival. So great. thank okay. you very much. And now let's go to Highland, Illinois, and see what's going on in Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Very, very good. 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 I just wanted to call about the, um, the collar with the tomato plants. I've grown tomatoes for a long time, and this has been just a horrible year with all the water that we started in the spring and then the right. hot, humid conditions, you know, and it's a prime time for the fungal infections to take over the early blight and stuff. And I wanted to address the burr, the, you know, blossom end rot issue that he said he seemed to have. Certain tomatoes are also more susceptible to that than, you know, other tomatoes are. And right. sometimes it's a, the plant can't intake the calcium. It's not necessarily that they don't have any calcium, it's that they can't. Calcium is, is absorbed in the water up into the plant. So inconsistent watering that the plant can't absorb that, you know, that calcium up into it is mainly also a cause of, uh, you know, the blossom end rot. I know people that they mm-hmm. grind eggshells and stuff and put around. Those eggshells take years to, you know, actually break right. down in the soil. But a soil, a good soil, you know, sample test like you suggested, you know, that's wonderful. And also um, the miracle Grow. I used to use miracle Grow years ago, and I had these beautiful tomato plants that were green and leafy. You know, they were just gorgeous. But I'd have four or five fruit on them, maybe. You know, there was like <laughs> too much nit- you know, too much nitrogen in the right. in the miracle growth. I would like to suggest um, like tomato tone, which you can get at your local big box store. It's got a lower nitrogen number, but it really does help set the fruit on those tomatoes, you know, much better than say like a, a miracle grow. So, you know, like I said, that, back to that blossom end rod. Also, sometimes they have to cycle through the plants. So the first cycle of your tomatoes and certain, certain things, you know, you, the first cycle will be bad, and then the second cycle that comes in with the new set of tomatoes, they won't have a, one blossom end rod on it. So, you know, just some food for thought, because like I said, I do grow a lot of tomatoes, and, you know, maybe somebody out there might, you know, have some other questions about it. So I just thought I'd chime in with that. Well, great. great. You know, I appreciate it. Also, tomatoes need a huge amount of moisture. If they go through any kind of drought stress, that's bad news for them. And also, when you buy a tomato, the variety should say VFN on the tag because those are the ones that are going to be more resistant to some of the diseases and problems that tomatoes generally have. Right. And I'm an heirloom grower also, so I do have a few. Oh, really? High, yeah. I'm, I have heirloom, mostly heirlooms, but I do have a few hybrids also that I always rely on because I sell a few on the side to different people, but, you know, you can always count on one of the hybrids. But those heirlooms, they are the best-tasting tomatoes, but, you know, you can't always guarantee they're, you know, they're susceptible to disease, and you really have to take care of them, and, you know, they're just harder to take care of. But, yes, absolutely. Right. You know, I have to... I have to agree with you as far as taste-wise. Some of the tomatoes, people like them big, but the bigger they get, and it's the same I feel with fruit, the bigger it is, the more moisture it has, the less flavor it actually has. So that's my own taste bud saying that. Mine too. I agree. Well, hey, Mike, thank you for your show, and you have a wonderful weekend. We appreciate it. Well, thank you. And Chris from Villa Ridge, can you do it very quickly? Yeah, Mike, um, I have a walnut grove that I have on my property, and it's got Mm -hmm. many, many trees, and I'm trying to figure out, should I pull out the small ones that don't look like they've grown? I I bought the property two years ago, and 
Yeah, I, personally, I would do that because you don't want the competition. They're never going to really do anything. I don't know how old you are, but it takes a long time for a walnut tree to get big enough to produce any walnuts. So I would say, you know, spend all your energy and time and everything else on the ones that are productive sizes and little seedlings or anything else that are coming up. Just skip those, get rid of those. Okay. Yeah, most of them are producing. It's just that I wanted to make them bigger so they possibly were harvestable as well for wood. Right. So, I mean, you may have somebody come out or take a look at them and selectively start removing some of them because, I mean, the shadowing and everything else can impact the amount of walnuts that are going to be produced. So good luck with that, yes, Chris. Sir. And uh, thanks Thank to everybody you. for calling in in the first hour. Now, we do have the tip of the trial hour coming up. So that's the next hour after the news. So we, again, are live and lively at Allen's Tree Service here on West Pierce Boulevard in Winsfield. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.